uh, this morning, or we're going to read out of Luke chapter 1. I want to start in verse 46, and you can follow along with me. And the Bible says, Luke 1 verse 46, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imaginations of their heart. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. At Christmas time, which is upon us now, we, we consider a lot of different passages of Scripture uh, surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ, and we, we do that more, probably more at Christmas time than at any other time. And, you know, we'll preach through a series and we'll come across those texts and so on, but, but typically we, we focus in uh, around Christmas time on, on, on the birth of Christ and the, the main characters surrounding the birth of Christ. I think of Mary and Joseph, obviously. We talk about the shepherds a lot. We talk about the wise men, etc. All of those main characters that were involved uh, in the birth of Christ. And, of course, Mary herself is, is, is one that is looked at very often. And we often observe how she handled herself during this time of her life. You can imagine how difficult it probably was for her. Here she is expecting. She's with child. She's not known a man. She's not married. The scandal uh, that would go along with that uh, certainly was great. And you remember during the life of Jesus, uh, the Pharisees said, We be not born of fornication. So people knew. People knew what it looked like. People knew what was going on. No doubt, this was a very difficult time in her life, probably full of, of, of some fears. Obviously, she had some. She expressed those when, when the announcement of the birth of Christ was given to her. And so you can just sort of imagine uh, what she might have been going through and, and how difficult that time of life might have been for her, the months between the announcement of Christ's birth and the actual moment of his arrival would have been months that uh, would have been full of anxious waiting and, and decisions. You remember Joseph and the decision that he had to make. The Bible said that he was mindful to put her away privately because he didn't want to make an example of her. How, how difficult would it have been for him? You can understand all the things surrounding it. You, your mind go, can, can follow along with that, that line of thinking. And we consider her and how she handled herself through that amazing yet difficult time of life. And, but however difficult a time as it was for her, it actually is a blessing to read of her response. And even to read of her heart of thankfulness unto the Lord. And this passage here in Luke 
it's not one that's preached on very often. I, I haven't heard much about it or much or much preaching on this passage. The context of what we just read here this morning is that Mary has made her journey to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who is also expecting a very special baby, John the Baptist. And when Mary arrived at her cousin's house and she speaks to Elizabeth, the Bible says that the baby in Elizabeth's womb would jump or leap for joy. Go back to verse 39. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her, from the Lord. And so Elizabeth says that the, the baby in Elizabeth's wounds would leaping for joy over the salutation of, of, of what was just told her, and how the Lord is going to do all that God had promised he would do in times past. Elizabeth responds by telling Mary that she is blessed because she believed the Lord, and that God would do all that he said he would do through her life. And hearing that, uh, hearing these tidings, hearing what Elizabeth had to say, Mary, even though she was young, even though she was unmarried and she's pregnant at the time, the Bible says that she begins to lift her voice in praise to the Lord. And that's what this text is all about. And in doing so, in lifting her voice and praising the Lord, it shows us she was, had a heart that was in love with the Lord, first of all, herself. And it teaches us that really there, in spite of any kind of circumstances at the moment that we might be going through in life, even the most troublesome times, God's grace is sufficient and we have reason to praise and rejoice in the Lord. And so Mary's... Uh, words here are actually a song of praise. That's what they are. This song of praise has been come to be known as what is called the Magnificat. It's, it's the Latin translation of the first few words of verse 46, where she says, My soul doth magnify the Lord. It literally means this. Here's what it means. My soul celebrates the Lord. And that's what I want us to do this morning as we look through this hymn of praise unto the Lord that Mary gives. And I want us to see that we have reasons to celebrate the Lord as well. Let's pray and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us today. I pray that you'd bring a peace and a calm uh, to this place today as we focus in on the scriptures, as we focus in on Jesus Christ, and we focus in on how good you are as our Heavenly Father and as we use the words that Mary gave, and Lord, I pray that it would teach us some valuable lessons about how much we have to rejoice in and to praise the Lord for. And especially during 
this time of year when we consider and think on the birth of Jesus Christ, we celebrate Christmas, but Lord, I pray that we would never ever miss the reason why we celebrate. And Father, I pray that you would help us today as we seek to exalt Jesus Christ, for he is worthy. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And we should never forget the reason why we celebrate. Amen. The reason we celebrate is that Christ Jesus came into this world as the Lamb of God to be the sacrifice to take away the sin of the world. Amen. You and I know forgiveness. You and I can have a relationship with Almighty God because God became a man. He dwelt among us. He was crucified. He paid the sin debt that we could never pay. And that is the reason we celebrate. And so let's spend a few minutes this morning looking at this anthem of praise and celebrate the Lord for the very same reasons that Mary did. Let's look at these. First of all, in verses 46 through 49, we see that Mary celebrates the Lord for his grace. Notice what she says here. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. Behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Mary celebrates the Lord, first of all, for his grace. And in these first few verses, her expression that, or, or, that she gives here, th these expressions are her personal praise to the Lord for his blessings in her own life. And in doing so, she gives us an example that as Christians, we ought to follow as well. Notice, first of all, she celebrates the Lord for the fact that she's been redeemed. In verse 46 and verse 47, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, who? My Savior. She's rejoicing and celebrating the Lord because of the fact that she's been redeemed. The first object for which she lifts her voice in praise is for her own salvation. And like the rest of us, listen, Mary was born in, in sin. Mary was not sinless like some religion teaches. She stood in need of a Savior just like you and me. And she rejoiced in the fact that she could know God as her personal Savior. In verse 47, <clears throat> she declares her dependence upon God in heaven. God, my Savior, she is simply praising the Lord for the salvation that she possesses. And let me make the application here. You know what? This morning, I don't know what your situation is. Your situation might be one where your life has fallen apart. You think that life is terrible. You don't have anything good going for you. You've made a lot of mistakes in your life. Life's fallen apart. But as a born-again Christian, no matter what happens in my life or what has happened in my life, if I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, if my sin is forgiven and I stand redeemed before the Lord, I have every reason to praise the name of the Lord. If you're here this morning and you're not saved and your life has fallen apart, you don't have reason to praise. In fact, you have every reason to fear. Because God the judge is going to meet you. You're going to meet him. 
And the only way that you'll stand in a relationship with God, stand forgiven, stand redeemed, is by the blood of Jesus Christ when you have repented of your sin and called on the name of the Lord for salvation. But as born-again believers, if you're here this morning and you're saved, it doesn't matter what else is happening in your life. If you've been saved, if you've been born again, you have every reason to rejoice. Amen? Amen. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke chapter 10, in verse 20, just flip over there, keep your place, and look in Luke chapter 10, in verse 20. Jesus said, Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Jesus says to his disciples that it's a greater thing to rejoice in the fact that your names are written down in heaven than even having power over unclean spirits. You might have that miraculous thing or ability, but it is more important and it's, it's more worthy that you rejoice in the fact that your name is written in heaven. Listen, friends, salvation is a wonderful reason to praise the Lord today. Think about it. Let's just think about it for a minute. Okay? It's always a good thing to do, isn't it? As a born-again Christian, just think about it for a minute. What you have in the Lord, because you've been saved, you know what? You will never, ever taste the wrath of God. Because you've been born again, because you've been saved, you will never taste the wrath of God. You'll never stand in judgment of God. You'll experience the presence of God throughout all eternity. What an amazing thing! Oh, I think we lose the joy of our salvation so easily. Or we feel like we're worthy of it because we've been saved for so long. We've got the Christian life down and so on. No, my friend, we are never worthy. And may the Lord help us to understand only by the grace of God will we never see or taste the wrath of God. Amen. What a reason to praise him. As a child of the king, listen. Listen, it's not just the future glory, that is glorious, but even right now, in this very moment, you and I are children of the King, if you're saved. We enjoy the blessings of God. I'm simply saying that we have abundant reasons to rejoice, as Mary did. Even in this very moment, friend, in this very moment today, think about it and offer up a sacrifice of praise unto the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for my salvation. Where would you be today? Sometimes people get down in the dumps. I'm guilty of that too sometimes because of circumstances. And sometimes people just feel like, I just don't have anything to praise the Lord for. Are you saved? Are you saved? Then you have every reason to praise the Lord. Mary said, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. When you're saved and you know it, that ought to bring some rejoicing to the heart. There are times when life is hard and there are times when I get down a little bit, but I ask the Lord to help me never, ever, ever lose sight of the fact that by the grace of God, I stand redeemed. Amen. She says... My soul magnifies the Lord because I've been redeemed. But look at verse 48. In the first part of verse 48, she says, For he hath regarded 
the lowest state of his handmaiden. The word regarded there, it means to turn the eyes upon. It means to gaze at with favor. Notice what she's saying here. She says in in verse 48, He, that's God, that's Almighty God, my Savior hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaid, and he has turned his eyes upon me, and he gazes at me with favor. What a thought. Mary's saying that, listen, I don't, I'm a nobody. But she's experienced the grace of God firsthand, and she knows that she does not deserve the wonderful favor of the Lord, and yet the Lord did it anyway, and she acknowledges and says, I'm rejoicing in God because he looks on me with favor. Again, that's another reason for rejoicing. Not only are we saved when we're so undeserving, But even now, we are highly favored of the Lord. And listen, we are accepted in the Beloved. What an amazing thought. I don't know if I can get that across to you this morning. And my prayer is that we're not so self-righteous that we feel like, like, like we somehow deserve anything of the Lord. But we stand in awe and amazement of the fact that God turns his eyes on me and he looks at me with favor. When God didn't get anything when he got me, or you, let's just be real, no matter how highly we think of ourselves, God didn't get anything when he got you. What an amazing thing to be regarded by the Lord, to be regarded by God. Some people say, well, it just doesn't seem like anything's going right in my life. If God regards me, then why is my life like this? Does God even care? I would say, what a silly and carnal thing for you to say or for me to say. If God regards me, then why is this stuff going? If God really cared, then why is my life like this? You know what? We, sometimes we just got to take responsibility for our own actions. Your life's a mess because of you? Does that make sense? But the fact that God would become a man, that he would die on a cross, he also did that because he loves you. And then after God saves us, but Mary says a little bit later on here, she says in verse 49, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Do you know what God feels towards his people? Jeremiah 29 and verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That's how God feels and thinks about his people. Psalm 40 and verse 5, Many O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. 
I can't even tell you how good God is to me. I don't even know all the goodness of God to me and all the things that God has blessed my, I don't even know, I can't even, I can't even describe it. That's how blessed I am. It's beyond my comprehension. That's how blessed you are today, Brother Seth. It's how blessed you are today, Josh. Brother Girth, Ron. It would be good for us to just sit and think about how good God is to me. That he has regarded and looked on me with favor. So that our soul, just like Mary, magnifies the Lord. Do you give the Lord praise? Do you give him thanks for how good he is? That he would take the time to look on you and the details of your life. Man, we sit in grumpy, complaining mode all the time, don't we? Because of circumstances. I was told to have Grinch colors on today. Proud of it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you would know, wouldn't you? <laughs> Sometimes I feel like the Grinch. And we get in that grumpy mode and we sit around with the attitude like nothing's going well. And I don't have anything to be rejoicing over. And that's just so wrong. Amen. It's just so wrong. We have everything to rejoice over. The fact that God even cares about you and me is something that should just blow our mind. Look at the last part of verse 48. She says, Behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. She says she's rejoicing in the Lord because she's been redeemed. She's rejoicing in the Lord because she's been regarded that God would look on her with favor. And thirdly, she's rejoicing in God's grace because she's been rewarded. Mary realizes that God is doing something pretty wonderful through her life. That's what she says there. From henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things. She recognizes that God is doing something pretty wonderful in her life. She's to be the means by which the God of eternity enters into human history. Whoa. What was the response of people in her day? Well, in her day, many would ridicule her. Many would talk about her behind her back. She knew that in days to come, though that others would look back on her obedience and know that she had been blessed of the Lord. That's what we're doing today. We're looking back on Mary's obedience and we understand that we are most blessed of the Lord because she obeyed the Lord herself. That's pretty amazing. 
Her reward was in the fact that God was to be glorified in her life and that others would be blessed by her actions. That was her reward. And every one of us in this room this morning, if you've been saved, you would have to acknowledge that the Lord has done great things in your life and to your life. I mean, think of it. I know in my own life, when he saved my soul, he changed me completely. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 has been played out in my life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That promise of God has been played out in my life. I know I'm redeemed because God's changed my life. By the way, if you have a profession of faith, you say that you're saved and your life has never been changed or different, you don't have salvation. Because real salvation is conversion. Conversion is change that God brings. It is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. If that's not true of you, then you don't have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the simple facts. Salvation isn't just something we add into our life. We don't just add Jesus into our life and we say this and we say that. No, it's conversion. God changes you completely. What an amazing thing. If you've been saved, you have to acknowledge that God has done great things to you. And since you've been saved, the blessings that you've enjoyed ever since, you think on the glory that awaits in the future, God has done great things for your life. Every reason to magnify the Lord. Amen? We've been blessed abundantly. And like Mary, we all have reason to praise the name of the Lord. The question is, are we really doing that as we should? What is the main thrust or drive of your life and of my life? Is, is the main thing a lot of complaining, a lot of downheartedness, a lot of, of looking on the negative? Is, is that the main drive and thrust? Things aren't well in my life, and it's really... Is that what really is the, the thing that dominates your life? If so, we probably need to do a heart check. We probably need to get our eyes back on the Lord and not on circumstances. We probably need to get back to asking God for His grace to help in my life. Mary says, I'm rejoicing because of the grace of God. It's only by the grace of God that I've been redeemed. It's only by the grace of God that God would regard me. It's only by the grace of God that I'm rewarded, that God is doing great things in my life. And we're in the same situation. We have every reason. Same reasons Mary had. Now look with me at verses 50 to verse 53. Mary's also celebrating the Lord here for his mercy in verse 50, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. First of all, Mary recognizes the mercy of God in verse 50. His mercy is on them that fear him. 
You know what? It's a good thing for all of us to remember and recognize the mercy of God in my life. If you're sitting here today and you're not saved, God is being very merciful to you. In a moment, God could take your life. You could have a brain aneurysm, you could drop dead, and you could go out into eternity this very moment. God is sustaining you. God is keeping you alive because God is being merciful to you. What does it mean to have mercy? To not give what we really deserve. That's what mercy means. What do we really deserve? Judgment, wrath for our sin. And God in his mercy is giving another opportunity. The Bible says in Lamentations 3.22, you know, it's my favorite verse. It's actually a couple of verses. It's, the, it's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Think about that. Because, here's the reason why, his compassions fail not. God is more compassionate to you then you realize, and it's only of the Lord's mercy that we're not consumed. It's because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Nehemiah 9.31 says, Nevertheless, for thy great mercy's sake, thou didst not utterly consume them, nor forsake them, for thou art a gracious and a merciful God. What a wonderful verse that is. To describe the character of God. And this is a truth that could be said of all of us. We ought to think about the mercy of God in our life. That he doesn't give us all that we deserve. But notice the recipients of mercy that she brings out here in verse 51. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imaginations of their heart. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath holpen the servant, his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Mary praises the Lord because he didn't come to reach out to the proud and the mighty. In fact, God chose to reveal himself to those who were poor and humble in spirit. And in one great act, God has reversed the order of society, how society works. Those who consider themselves great, who don't fear the Lord, they're going to be brought low. While those who trust in the Lord, though they may be poor and humble, those are going to be exalted by their, because of their faith in the Lord. And this morning, listen, this morning things remain the same. Only those who are willing to humble themselves before the Lord can expect anything of God. Salvation only comes to those who are humble. The poor in spirit. The lowly of heart. Those who are willing to admit their sin and what they are and how they're wretched and vile and how they deserve God's judgment and in a heart of repentance turn to the Lord uh, asking for his forgiveness and asking for the, the gift of salvation that only comes through Jesus Christ. Listen, only those who are willing to admit their need can expect to have that need met. God doesn't owe you anything or me. 
Before we can expect anything from the Lord, we've got to be willing to humble ourselves in his sight. There are many who are going to die lost. They're going to go out into eternity. They're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire simply because they would not humble themselves before God. This is the whole reason that Jesus Christ came into this world. To pay the sin debt that we could never pay. And what he commands, what God commands, is that men repent of their sin. Put their faith in Jesus Christ. That demands humility. Many are in this world are like those in the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17. You don't need to turn there. But Revelation 3.17 says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. They thought that they had all that they needed. They thought they looked pretty good. But they failed to see that they were actually the neediest people of all. That's the way it is with self-righteous people. We feel like we look pretty good. We feel like the Christian life, you know, I'm, I'm spiritual I'm, and I'm, I'm holding the truth and I'm, gonna, I'm obeying God and we get this idea about us that we look pretty good, but we forget what we actually look like, that we're poor and wretched and blind and naked and we're miserable. Even with all that, the church in Laodicea possessed, they still lacked everything. And you know, a person might have the entire world, but if you don't have Jesus Christ, you're destitute and headed for eternal damnation. In Mark chapter 8, the Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Or what will he give in exchange for his soul? And what we read in our text is that Mary recognized and was praising God for his mercy in her life and the life of her people, and so should we. Amen? Where would we be without God's mercy? Not giving us what we really, really deserve. It's a reason to celebrate the Lord. Look in verse 54 and verse 55. Here Mary celebrates the Lord for his faithfulness. She says, He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. That word holpen that you see in verse 54, it means to help. So just basic simple meaning. It means to help. And Mary praises the Lord not only for his blessings in her life and for his blessings upon other generations, but she also praises the Lord for remembering to do what he had promised to do. Notice how she says in verse 54, And he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. God made a promise, and she's recalling that. And she's saying that God is faithful in his promises. The focus here turns to her national heritage, 
as a Jew. And she praised God for helping his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to them. And she briefly, if generally here, refers to the promise that God made to Abraham and to his seed forever. What was that promise? That not, not just that I'm going to make of you a great nation, but out of your seed is going to come the Savior. Out of your seed is going to come the promised one, the Messiah. And she realizes that her condition, the state that she's even in, was a direct fulfillment of the promises of God long ago. She exalts his name because he did not forget her people. <clears throat> and the principle is, and the truth is, for us, is that God remembers his promises. Amen. For centuries, the Jews had lived on the promise of the Lord that he would one day send a deliverer, the Messiah, to redeem his people, to restore the nation to a place of favor with God. And Jesus was the fulfillment of those promises. And Mary exalts the name of the Lord for remembering to keep his promise and that she has a part in all of that. And may I remind you today that the Lord still keeps his promise. He'll never allow anything that he's promised to go undone. The Bible says of Abraham in Romans chapter 4 and verse 20, that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. In verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. That's why he can be trusted in every situation of life. Whether... It's for salvation. He can be trusted that he'll do what he said he would do. That he'll wash away your sin. That he'll make you his child. That he'll secure you forever. Whether it's for daily provision. Got some problems going on in your life right now. Got some things that are stressing you out. Some things that don't feel right or seem right. Who should you be looking to for the answer? God will do what he said he would do. Therefore, we ought to learn to trust him and learn to praise him for his goodness. Even, even if we haven't seen the answer quite yet, God is always faithful. And if there's one thing that we can be sure of this morning, it's that we can depend on the Lord, that he will never let one of his promises fall to the ground. Where do you find the promises of God? You know you need to be in this book and know the promises of God to be able to claim them. But when you do and you test them, Lord, you promised this, you'll find that God is ever faithful. And that's something we can be sure of this morning. We've got the same reasons for praise this morning. And there may be some here today who feel like maybe you just have these weird thoughts that somehow God has deserted you or that somehow God doesn't care about you 
or what's going on in your life as much as maybe he does someone else. Let me just remind you, God never changes, he never fails, and he never lies. And if he said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you, that's a promise that will never fail. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what men shall do unto me. I don't have to fear because the Lord is my helper. Almighty God. Christian, we never need fear of God forgetting about us or not understanding what we're going through. The reason is, is because you as a child of God are forever impressed upon the heart of God himself. Sealed unto the day of redemption. What a thing to rejoice in. What a blessed standing is ours. Mary says, I'm rejoicing in God for his grace. I'm redeemed. I'm regarded. I'm rewarded. God has done so many good things to me. She was rejoicing in God for his mercy. She was rejoicing in God for his faithfulness. That he never fails. And I'm simply saying it's a great passage for us as we get a little view into the life and the attitude of Mary. She had a wonderful relationship with her Savior, even though it was hard at times. And her song that she sings here, this praise to the Lord, reminds us that whether it's for His grace, whether for its mercy, or for His faithfulness, for those times when the Lord proves Himself faithful in the lives of His children, we have a God who is worthy of our love. He is worthy of our praise. And as we go into Christmas time, we spend time with our families. We have all of these things that we have going on. Let us not forget how wonderful a Savior we have and give him praise for he is worthy of it. And with that in mind, I want to ask you something this morning. <clears throat> Do you have the same heart that dwelled in Mary Number one, are you in a personal relationship with Almighty God today? If you're not, you can be. Don't reject Him. But number two, are you in a position in your walk with the Lord where you truly celebrate Him? My soul doth magnify the Lord. Is that true of you? There's never ever a time when it's not appropriate to just bow before the Lord and give Him worship and give Him praise and give Him thanks. And you know what happens when we're in the middle of those hard times and we just stop and we start thinking about the Lord again. We start thinking about how good He is to me. All of a sudden, it has a way of changing my thinking, changing my perspective, changing my mind again. And it has a way of affecting my attitude after that. You ever notice that? I've been that way. I'm grumpy, I'm complainy, I'm whiny, I'm doing all those things, just thinking about the problems and thinking about people and thinking about all these things. 
I don't have much to be thanking the Lord for in that moment. And then the Lord convicts me. And I stop and I start to think about him again in his mercy in my life, how good he is to me. And I have no right to sit in judgment of other people because God's been so merciful to me. And all of a sudden it changes my attitude and it affects me again in the right way where I just have to say thank you, Lord, for how good you are. Let's do that this holiday season. Amen. Today, tomorrow, let's just give thanks and praise to the Lord for how good he is. Let our soul magnify the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for this text and this passage that gives us some insight into the heart of Mary, who, even though she walked through some hard things, she was in the will of God, and people would talk about her, and people would ridicule her, and we can find ourselves in that same spot at times. We're just trying to do right. We're just trying to serve the Lord, and people are people. But Mary, instead of focusing on all those negative things, she realized how good God was to her and said, my soul celebrates the Lord because of his grace in my life. He saved my soul. And that the God of all creation has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. That God looks on me with favor. That the Lord has rewarded me. And in generations to come, people would look back. And that's what we're doing today, looking back on the obedience and the response of Mary. And we see her relationship with her Savior. And it challenges us. She rejoiced and celebrated the Lord for his mercy, for your faithfulness. And Lord, I pray that God's people would have in our heart and mind today to do the very same. And may our minds be turned to you and our thoughts be turned to you. And may our hearts be full, full of love toward you for how good you are. And in these few moments, Lord, we pray that there would be a humble and a tender response. And I do pray this morning for those in this room who have never been saved. They've never been converted. Their life has never been changed. What they need is salvation. And Lord, I pray that you bring conviction to their soul today. Help them to see how merciful you are to them when they deserve nothing but judgment and nothing but wrath. Lord, may they have a repentant, humble heart before you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.